Father, we come to your holy word at this moment. Father, we just want to pray that you will once again speak to our hearts. On this Christmas day, Father, as we opened your holy word, speak to us, dear Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Max Lucado once told a story about Tom and Jill. Tom and Jill were a couple in their 60s, and they lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in the USA. They have a nephew that they dearly loved, and was, uh, was, this nephew was in L.A. Um, and when one day, while this nephew was in L.A., he called Tom and Jill and, uh, and said, Well, I've landed in a big role in L.A. in a, a movie. So Tom and Jill were elated. They wanted to congratulate their nephew, so they drove all the way from Tulsa, Oklahoma to L.A. Uh, after one night in L.A. and they saw the heavy traffic, Tom and Jill decided to drive back to Tulsa again. As they were driving back to, uh, uh, to Tulsa, they stopped by in Arizona and they felt sleepy. So they decided to check in into a motel and call it a night because it was already very sleepy for them. And before they went to bed, they uh, ate at a restaurant just adjacent to the hotel. They both had a big breakfast for dinner. And after dinner, they began to sleep. They began to go back to sleep. And uh, Tom looked at the digital clock at their hotel room, and the clock said 6.30. So Tom and Jill slept. Half an hour later, Tom woke up, and he took a look at the digital clock, and it says 7 o'clock. So, thinking it was 7 a.m. in the morning, he woke his wife up and said, Jill, it's 7 in the morning. We need to be going. We need to be hit the road. So, wow, Jill said, it must be a really short night. So, at 7.30 p.m., they left the restaurant and they went to where they were one hour ago and they went to the restaurant and they ordered the same food that they had an hour ago. That the same big breakfast they had an hour ago. They sat in the same booth. They were served by the same waitress. It never occurred to them why the waitress was still around. It never occurred to the waitress why they ordered the same food an hour earlier. And after their meal, Tom and Jill thought that it was the morning, so they began to drive. And thinking it was the morning, they expected the, the, the sky to get brighter and brighter. But instead, the sky started to get darker and darker, because in fact, it was the night, and they thought it was the morning. So at 10 p.m., while they were driving, they saw the stars out. The sky was completely black. And Tom and Jill began freaking out. Isn't it 10 a.m. in the morning? Why is it that everything is getting dark? So Tom decided to call his nephew and, uh, in L.A. and said, Aaron, things are not going right. I think Jesus is coming back. <laughs> Instead of the sky getting brighter, it's getting darker and darker and darker. Is the rapture happening anytime soon? Are we about to see Jesus? It's 10 a.m. and the sky is completely dark with stars. It was then his nephew turned to him and said, Uncle Tom, of course it's dark because it's not 10 a.m. It's 10 p.m. You've got the time wrong. Do you know the time? Because many a times we get the time wrong too. 
Many a times we think that the time we have right here on this earth is all that we have. And we get the time wrong. Many young people think that they have all the time in the world. But do you know how to read the time? And there are older people who think that their lives are spent. They're no longer willing to invest in new things, in others, and serving Christ. They think that they are towards the end of their lives. They think that their time is here and now, and after that, that's gone. Do you know what time it is? Do you know how to read the time? King Herod didn't know about how to read the time too. You see, King Harold, in the Christmas story, thought that he was an invincible man. Indeed, he was a very powerful man living during the time when Jesus was born. When he was uh, trying to escape, for instance, the Parthians. See how powerful he is? When he was fleeing south of Jerusalem and he was miraculously saved, uh, King Herod wanted to build a mountain to commemorate the very special occasion one time when he was miraculously saved. But when he looked at the area, he wanted to build a mountain. But where he was was just the sea. So he had this brilliant idea. He wanted to move the mountain into the sea. So without bulldozers, without tractors, he got slaves to move dirt. And move dirt so much that he could fill up the sea and fill up into a mountain. And on top of the mountain, he built for himself a humongous uh, palace named after himself called the Herodian, which had four huge towers. And in the middle of the desert, he built a huge pool just by his, his palace. And there is a gazebo right in the middle, a pavilion right in the middle of the pool that is so huge that in order to reach the pavilion, you have to take a boat there. This was a very powerful and a very influential man. And he was the man ruling the time of the first Christmas. But King Herod didn't know the time. Why do I say that? In Matthew chapter 2, verse 19, the passage that was read to us earlier in this morning, we read this. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and the mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. Shortly after Christ was born, when the King Herod thought that he was the invincible man, the Bible tells us he died. And history tells us that he was only 69 years old when he died. He died a very sudden death when his kidneys suddenly gave way. And he died in 4 BC, just not long after Jesus himself was born. Because he doesn't know how to read the time. Sometimes we think that we have all the time in the world. King Herod was doing all these miraculous things and, and building fortresses and palaces and building mountains out of the sea. But here the Bible tells us he didn't know how to read his time. His time was up. Recently, I was reading uh, uh, an article about J uh, Japanese known as uh, Yag Yamaguchi. Yamaguchi was someone who was present during World War II. And uh, he was an engineer uh, during World War II. And he didn't live in Hiroshima, 
But during World War II at this time, on 6th August 1945, he didn't live in uh, Hiroshima, but at the time he went to Hiroshima, just on the day whereby a bomber flew over the city and dropped the atomic bomb. And he was one of only, of one for 140,000 people, only, only one to survive the bombing of that city. And Yagoshima, at the time when he survived the bombing, three days later he left unhurt and he went to another city in Japan. He went to Nagasaki in Japan. Nagasaki was just three days journey away at the time and you know history three days later there was another bombing <laughs> another atomic bomb dropped at Nagasaki and he was also there but miraculously he outlived everyone 70,000 people were killed by the atomic bomb and he outlived he wasn't hurt and he never suffered the long-term effects of the atomic blast he thought he was invincible. But little real, did he realize in the year 2010, at the age of 93, when he was still at the pink of health, he suddenly died in his sleep. And the article concludes with this line. It says, what two atomic bombs could not do, old age did. This is because nobody knows the time. At the end of the day, nobody knows how to tell the time. But God, on the other hand, knows how to read the time. And nothing about the birth of Jesus happened by chance. Because let's look at this passage in a little bit more detail in Matthew chapter 2. And we'll find that nothing in this passage happened by chance. Verse 19 says, After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. If you have been reading Matthew chapter 1 and 2 carefully, you will know that this is the fourth dream that Joseph, the father of our Lord, received. This is the fourth dream. Is this significant? Matthew chapter 1 verse 1 tells us at the, right at the start of the gospel that his gospel is not just a gospel written out of thin air. It's a gospel that is patterned after the book of Genesis. Just like the book of Genesis is about the new beginning, the birth of Christ is another new beginning that's patterned after Genesis. Who in the book of Genesis Guided, was guided by, by God through four dreams too. Same name too, Joseph. Joseph, the great-grandson of Abraham, was also in the book of Genesis, guided by, um, by, by the Lord in four dreams. And where did these four dreams lead, lead, lead Joseph to? To Egypt. Why did they go to Egypt? Genesis chapter 13 verse 11 says, Because Egypt looked like the garden of the Lord. The four dreams actually led Joseph to the garden of the Lord. Now let's fast forward to the book of Matthew. Here Matthew tells us that there is another Joseph, same name. That also receives four dreams. And the same, the, the same four dreams through the angel led Joseph away to. But not to Egypt. To where? To Nazareth. 
So let's take up the Bible passage in Matthew chapter 2, verses 21 to 23. So he, Joseph, got up, because he was told through a dream to do that by an angel, took the child, that is Jesus, and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that uh, Achalor was uh, reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. The four dreams through the angel led Joseph where? Not to Egypt, but to a place called Nazareth. What is the significance of Nazareth? Nazareth is very significant because the next verse tells us, So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. If you look at the Old Testament, the word Nazareth never appeared once, not even once. So what is the significance of the angel leading Joseph through four dreams finally to Nazareth? What is the significance of Nazareth? Remember in the book of Genesis, Joseph was led to Egypt because Egypt looked like a garden. What does Nazareth mean? Nazareth comes from the Hebrew root word that means Nazah. What does Nazah mean? A branch. A branch? The Old Testament prophets spoke that the Messiah, when he comes, will be a branch. He will be a branch that will be come out of the fruit root of Jesse. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1 says, A shoot will come from the stem of Jesse. From its roots a branch will, be, will bear fruit. When the Messiah comes, he will be a branch. For the life of me, I never understood why the Messiah must be a branch. I mean, I understand that there are other metaphors used for Jesus in the, in the New Testament. I understand that Jesus sometimes is called the Lion of Judah. He's the one that protects us. Yes, sometimes he's talked about as the Lamb of God. Yes, he takes away sin. He was sacrificed. But the branch, and this is spoken of not just in Isaiah. Uh, it's spoken of by Zechariah. For instance, Zechariah chapter 3 verse 8. Zechariah 6 verse 12. That Jesus will be this divine branch. And if you go to Jerusalem temple during the time of Jesus, at the, uh, uh, at the entrance of the temple, there was a branch. What on earth? is the significance of Jesus being the branch. Never knew this until I one time went to the US. Then I begin to understand what the meaning of a branch is all about. Now the one time when I went to the US, to San Diego, if you've been to San Diego, you know that's a beautiful city in the US, one of the most beautiful cities in the world. If you go to San Diego, you can go to uh, uh, the, uh, um, uh, the, the, the gas lamp districts, and if you move west, you will go into El Kajong, which is where all the shopping is, all the delicious restaurants are. If you move further west in San Diego, you will come into a little district called the Alpine, whereby you will see very beautiful mountainous uh, uh, rooms and hotels and, and beautiful country-like settings still within the confines of the city. As you make your way west, Outside of San Diego, as long as soon as you leave San Diego, the whole scenery changes. What do you enter if you go west on I-8? You enter the desert. 
Gone is the ocean. Gone are all the fine restaurants. Gone are all the picturistic mountains. You are in the middle of the desert. And not only in the middle of the desert, it winds down and down and down. It's like you're going down to the center of the earth. And it takes you over an hour down and down. And when you look out, especially if you travel at night, it is very scary because all around you are just huge rocks and just glistening sand. Nothing. Nothing. So you keep driving and driving. What's the first sign of hope that you are out of the desert when you see a branch? When you start seeing a branch or a shrub on the, on the side of the road, you know that you're hitting the next town. You know your next toilet stop has arrived. <laughs> when you're in the desert, the very first sign of hope that there is life is when you see a branch. Why is Jesus the branch here? Matthew chapter 1 verse 17 tells us, Matthew says, tells his Jewish readers, you are now in exile. You are far away from God. You are in the wilderness. You are in the desert. Where is your first sign of hope? It's when you see a branch, when you see a Nazar. Because that's the first sign of vegetation coming in. This is the first sign where there there are human beings, that's where there is life. And just as Joseph in the book of Genesis was brought into Egypt, a, a land like the garden of the Lord, Says Genesis in chapter 11, verse 3. Here Jesus brings us in into his kingdom, into his garden. So, what is God telling us here? He knows the time. The time has come. King Herod didn't know the time. His life was suddenly taken away from him. But the birth of Christ was so planned. That's not just the coming of a baby. It's the coming of an entire kingdom. When you see the branch, you know that there is a city in front of you. And the city is where God is. It's the garden of the Lord coming to us. Jesus didn't just come as a baby. He came to bring us into a kingdom. And that is why the word kingdom is mentioned 54 times in the book of Matthew. And Matthew, in, uh, Jesus often begins his teaching. For instance, the parables are saying, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. Because he's not just someone who came as a baby so that you can forgot, forget him on the 26th of December. No, no, no. He came to usher him a kingdom. What are some of the takeaway applications to us? Four things and now I'm done. Number one, learn to read the times well. The world is slowly fading away. We are living in exile. The Bible says that the grass withers and the flowers fail, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Look at the flowers. Look at the flowers. They will fail and they will wither in a few days' time. We are living in a world that is fading away. Learn to read the times. This world is going away. There is another kingdom that has already come through Christ. Are you part of that kingdom? 
How can you be part of the kingdom? When you turn to Jesus and bow to him as the king. The kingdom has a king and that is Jesus. And offer your life in faith and follow after him. Learn to read the times, my friends. Secondly, do not be impatient because we are in God's garden. He, when you are in God's garden, he starts things growing. It's a garden. He grows things. Many people often ask, tell me, oh, that church is doing that, that church is doing that, the church is doing that. Be patient. If God wants our church to flourish that way, He will. We need to be faithful in what we do. We need to, be, to, to understand the world, be contemporary, be faithful to the scriptures. But we also need to be patient. This is not my garden. I can't cause the plants to grow. It's God's garden. He is the branched. Be patient. That's why Peter can say, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourself, be patient with him. You are living in God's garden. And the third thing we can take away is do not be anxious. That's Peter continues, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Do not be anxious. You're not living on your own. You are living in God's garden where He is the branch, where we need to abide with Him, says John's Gospel. So do not be anxious. And fourthly, believe in your heart that God knows what He's doing. All of this happened by God's own orchestration. Nobody was there to help him. Joseph just was guided by a dream. He didn't give God any advice. God was all behind the coming of Jesus. God knows what he's doing. And we need to believe that he knows the time. When we don't know how to read the times, he knows. In his autobiography, Buck O'Neill tells of his own experience. Bob O'Neill is a black man who loves to play professional baseball. But he grew up in the time in the US when African Americans were not allowed to play with the white people in the major leagues. So for years, Bob O'Neill and his friends appealed to the government, appealed to the different sports organizations that they should allow black African Americans to play. And they did. Uh, win in the petition. In the year 1947, the professional baseball was open to people of all skin color, except the fact that Bob O'Neill by 1947 was already an old man. He was too old to be considered playing professional baseball. Many of his friends that lobbied with him were very angry that the government took such a long time to approve of black people from playing professional baseball. And they were very bitter about this. And uh, when this news was being broadcasted, Sports Illustrated gave an interview to Bob O'Neill and asked him if he had any regrets that uh, his time was past. And right now it was time that all people of all races could play professional baseball, but he was passed over. What did he think? And Bob O'Neill simply said this, Waste no tears for me. I didn't come here too early. I was right on time. I don't have a bitter story. I truly believed I have been blessed. You may think that God's hand has left you long ago. 
and your time is gone. But know that in God's sovereign purposes, there are no what could have been. God knows everything and He plans everything well so that you don't have to be bitter. And that's why Baloney was never bitter and he named his autobiography, I love the title, I Was Right On Time. Because this was a man who trusted that despite the things that have happened to him, God was always right on time. Because we live in his garden. Only he causes his plants to grow. Father, we come this morning before your holy presence and we thank you that Jesus has come as the branch, as the Nazareth, to live in Nazareth, to remind us that our exiles are over, that there is a plant that flourishes and out of that plant comes a kingdom. Father, we come before you. Many of us come here on pins and needles thinking that we have been overlooked. But you have perfect plans for us. Teach us not to be jealous when others flourish and when we don't. Teach us to rejoice in the blessings that you blessed on others. And teach us to wait patiently for you. Father, we do not know. I do not know how to tell the time. I do not know what will happen in 10 years' time. But you know. And that's enough. So, Father, on this Christmas Day, Jesus came right at the right time to remind us that He's the Lord of all our times. Teach us to bow our knees to Him and know that only His kingdom will endure forever. In His name we pray. Amen.